Hello, and welcome to the Tuesday, August 3rd, 2021 episode of the musical universe of Professor Hurst. This is Craig W. Hurst, Emeritus Professor of Music, podcasting from my music bunker, along with my faithful canine companion, Carmel the Wonder Dog, to share with you my latest musical interests and discoveries. I claim no inside information about the latest or greatest music, nor do I know everything there is to know about music. What I am is a lover of music. I enjoy several genres of music and I share with you what has currently caught my interest, old, new, outdated, and everything in between. Even old music is brand new if you have never heard it before. The universe of music is a vast one to enjoy. From my discussions, you might find something new to you and of interest to expand your own musical universe. I currently receive no compensation or motivation of any kind from any recording label, recording artist, or estate of any performer or composer dead and gone to to discuss their music and or recordings. Now with that out of the way, welcome to my musical universe. My guest today is North Carolina-based singer-songwriter Miles Travitz. Miles was born and raised in North Carolina where he grew up in the Raleigh, Cary, Durham, Triangle area. Miles' musical journey began from the moment he was asked, what do you want to play? This would lead him down an unorthodox path in music from performing in musicals and participating in band to creating original music inspired by the musical influence of Billy Joel. Later, he earned a bachelor's in music composition and theory from East Carolina University in 2015. During his self-described weird teen years, Miles would go on to produce electronic dance music with originals and official remixes with labels such as Atlantic, Columbia, and Ultra Music. Miles has remixed for artists such as Melanie Martinez, Fitz and the Tantrums, Machine Heart, Manila Killa, Nightmare, Louis the Child, and Steve James. His remix with Machine Heart reached number one on Hype Machine. While Miles found success creating and remixing within the EDM community, he felt burned out and stepped away from creating music to find the sound for him, which was music more in line with alt-rock and Americana. Billy Joel continues to be one of his main influences. However, he now shares the spotlight with bands such as Alabama Shakes, Coldplay, The Lumineers, and Mumford and Sons. What has time away given Miles? A deeper dive into the emotions that ground us and a wanderlust of adventure and optimism. Piano and guitar-led ballads set the scene for a fun-as-hell jam session that'll beg you to blast it in the car or dance around the house with. His previously released single, My Round, incorporates this energy with lyrics and music that are crafted to inspire and give hope to those in need. This led to his first music video, produced by Contrast Creative in Cary, North Carolina and an invitation to speak at a TEDx conference in December of 2019. And in my show notes is a YouTube link to the video for My Round. 
I have also included a link to Miles's TEDx talk. For three years, Miles spent time evolving and falling in love with writing all over again. From his newest extended play, Mother Moon was born, a first step in a new direction. Mother Moon was recently released in late July. A YouTube link to the first single, Mockingbird, from his new extended play, Mother Moon, is included in my show notes. It is my pleasure to welcome to my musical universe, Miles Travitz. Hello, Miles. Hey. Hello, it's, hello. Uh, it's really great to uh, talk with you and have you on my show. Let's get right to your new uh, EP, Mother Moon, uh, which was just recently released. Uh, the EP is a collection of, uh, of songs, two of which, uh, Two Happiness and Mockingbird, uh, were released as singles ahead of the EP. Mm -hmm. Now, I got to ask you, because in reading your bio, you have a rather interesting musical background. And it seems like it was quite a jump, let's say maybe more of a leap, to go <laughs> from being a very successful EDM artist to a singer-songwriter. Could you tell my audience what those two music styles might have in common and what are some of the more obvious differences? Uh, well, yeah, it would. Well, first off, thank you for having me. You're I really very appreciate welcome. it. Um, as far as the, the jump from that, I would say that getting from creatively getting from zero to one of like having nothing on the page and then to having something um, they're both the same thing of kicking the soccer ball down to the goal um, in that regard. And uh, the way that they differ for me at the very least is uh, I have a natural tendency of getting really stuck in like a four, eight, 16, 32 bar loop if I start out in the computer. And so with a lot of my songwriting over the past few years, I write just piano and voice or guitar and voice and get a song to work that way before it goes into the computer itself so it goes in fully formed and mm. i found that they feel like a much more cohesive piece that way oh okay all right so actually you you're you're instead of building the plane while you're flying it you kind of build the plane, fly it, and then you put it into a format that that is more distributable. I, I guess might be a word to put it. Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, and and also it just allows me to have more customization as opposed to like if I go into Logic, it's automatically like, what's your time signature? What tempo is it? And it's yeah. like if I'm starting from scratch, it's like well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> as yeah, opposed to. You know figuring it out along the way well you know one of the things that i uh i've always found intriguing uh and i came at this kind of back when i was in high school and we did a piece of music in when i was in high school band it was entitled the lincolnshire posy and it was a collection of songs arranged for wind band by the same person who collected the songs but it, the the composer's name was percy aldrich granger who was a, mm -hmm. a very successful uh pianist classical pianist but he was also a collector of songs and in the early part of the 20th century sort of like what uh, John and Alan Lomax did, you know, they traveled around the, the South and uh, Appalachia and recorded uh, people singing folk music yeah, before yeah. the art was lost because our country was becoming so much more homogenized mm -hmm. uh, with technology and, and, and so forth. But anyway, he did the same thing. He would go into poor houses and pubs and things, and he would ask people to sing. Well, being untrained singers, they don't just sing in four bar, eight bar, 
16 bar phrases, nor do they sing in four, four time, three, four time, whatever. Mm -hmm. They are very free. So when he transcribed the songs, he transcribed them as they were sung. And that's also the way he then transcribed and arranged it for the wind band. So mm -hmm. when I was in high school, we thought, oh, this is really funny. Look, this is in, you know, three and a half, four time. That's weird, you know, kind of thing. But uh, but you're absolutely right that I, you know we we tend to fix uh, fix things into a particular way because that's the way they've kind of fallen in common practice. Yeah, and, in college, uh, my uh, my composition professor was very much an advocate of writing and notating on paper. So yeah, that yeah. that <laughs> he rubbed off on me uh, in that way of just like ingraining uh, ideas of being outside the box, so to speak. And so yeah. Well, I think, you know, what we've seen is, uh, you know, so now today we have some people who purposefully will write in, in asymmetrical meters and things just because that's outside of the realm of, of uh, uh, typical uh, pop or, uh, or folk or country Americana music. It's interesting. I, I interviewed a week ago, Monday, I interviewed a singer songwriter who uh, lives up in Montana and uh, she, she blew one right by me. We were talking about her uh, newest recording, which is coming out. And she has one of her songs. She says, yeah, it has like a measure of nine, eight in it. And I went, wow, I didn't even catch that. But then when you dig in, you find out her background. She also has, like you, was a student of music composition in college mm -hmm. and also writes music in the uh, tradition, Western classical art music tradition. So, you know, so she, but she threw that in with her, with her, you know, singer songwriter tune that, and, uh, I thought it was pretty cool because because not a lot of people necessarily. I didn't even pick up on it at first, but anyway, well, that's that's really interesting uh, that approach to making sure you've got it where you want it before you write it down. Yeah. Well, I've got to ask you then about some of the topical nature of of your songs. You know, the ancient Greeks and Romans uh, used to say that the purpose of tragedy in drama was to serve as an emotional cleansing, a catharsis for those witnessing the drama. You could, you could see all the crap Oedipus was going through, right? But not having to really experience that yourself. And, but you could still share the same emotions. So with your songs that you write, uh, do you do them with the idea of providing an emotional catharsis for yourself as reflections of personal experiences, or are they are your songs constructed to elicit a catharsis for others? Hmm. That is a really good question. Well, um, thank you. I made that one up. <laughs> I at the end of the day, I write for myself. Okay. And because uh, I'm, I have ADD, and I'm very passion based. And okay that's a that's a double-edged sword of like being able to if i really like something i'll hyper focus on it but if i don't like it you couldn't get me to sit down and do it so it, it's one of the most important things for me when writing is loving what i'm doing um and it's also a way for me to be able to process and understand what i'm thinking and feeling because i do write from my personal experiences mm -hmm. and and a a lot like my daily journaling or things like that. It's a, it's a different translation of that. <laughs> so. Well, I, I would say, you know, what your response is uh, not un unlike that I've had from other singer songwriters or even uh, composers. Uh, uh, I've talked to three, four, five different uh, New York city-based uh, uh, jazz composers and arrangers. And how many people have told me that they write for themselves? It's almost like someone put it, you know, quoted Shakespeare, to thine own self be true, which I thought, 
oh, that's an excellent way to think about it. And then hope other people like it too. Yeah. Because I mean, if if you came at it from the other direction of trying to get paid, I don't think you would last quite as long as as the people that are really doing it because they because they love it first and then happen to make a living of it. Sure, sure. Well, you know, and I think too, when you write for yourself, rather than necessarily wanting to pander, if that's a, the correct word, to uh, the lowest common denominator of public taste, mm-hmm. musically speaking, that probably compromises the authenticity or the honesty or the uh, really the full frontal uh, uh, picture that you are trying to put across in telling those stories through your music. Yeah. And it helps you find your people faster because one of the things for myself for the past year or so has been or, or rather one of my mottos has been, I'm going to be unapologetically myself. Okay. And I try and put that into everything I write. Sure. And just about anything I do on a day-to-day basis as well. Mm-hmm. Well, if, you know, if you think in terms of your music as being an emotional cleanse, either for yourself or others, what do you feel that your music is cleansing people of or bringing them or how is it, what is it that it's renewing in people? Hmm. I don't know, to be quite honest. But I I guess that I I would hope that it just gives a bit of optimism about the day or makes somebody smile. Okay. Well, I I mean, I would tell you, I picked up a lot of... uh, self-renewal kinds of messages or vibes from from what I was listening to it. In fact, let's get right to uh, one of the songs, some of the specifics of of some of the songs. Uh, Your song Mockingbird really seems to have the theme. And again, this is just my opinion. So if you if you differ, please say so. if, if we we don't have to agree on everything, but <laughs> but Mockingbird seems to have the theme of asking for help in forgetting your troubles and helping to show a better way. Mm-hmm. And the Mockingbird seems like some sort of metaphor for that certain someone or certain something that that helps kind of get over that. Uh, and so my question is, do you feel like getting closer in touch with nature helps to heal the human spirit? I can't speak for everybody, but it certainly helps me. I actually okay. live five minutes away from a state park and I love going there just to go hiking and get my thoughts out and not think about much of anything while I'm on the hike other than listening to birds or, or just walking through nature and appreciating it. I, I live in North Carolina, so it's been uh, very hot as of late. So I haven't been able to, well, I, ha- I have been able to. It's more of, I haven't felt as inspired or driven to go out in 90 degree plus weather. So I've been more of an evening walker around my neighborhood lately mm-hmm. to get my 10,000 steps in. Hey, well, listen, I, I, I know from what you speak, I lived in Texas for 15 years. And June, July, August, and early September, you know, are brutal. Yeah. with high humidity and high heat and and uh so yeah i understand that but uh, there is that i i know myself i used to find a lot of uh ways to kind of clear my head and and uh you know through walking yeah and walking through the neighborhood and and just and smelling the fresh air and and kind of getting into into nature uh you know, especially like I remember uh, when I was working on my doctoral dissertation and if I would get stuck or I would whatever, I just go for a walk. Yeah, it's see, like giving yourself a, a, a free to free your head of, of the headspace you were in and just allow yourself to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the funny thing about Mockingbird in particular, it was after a 
a particularly crappy day of where I felt like I had just bombed um, at work that day and came home and was just like, I don't want to think about anything. And I came into this room and sat at the piano and I heard birds chirping outside. And that's kind of where it, where it came from. And then the Mockingbird in the song itself, at least how I wrote it, um, is the idea of like musicians and singers being the mockingbird of people like going and being like, can you play me something to forget? Um, which led me to Billy Joel's Piano Man. So I'm kind of writing it from the perspective of the crowd speaking to Billy Joel in that in that particular song is kind of like the mind trip that I went on to get to like what the message was of the song at least that's, for me that's fascinating because i had never i had never considered that connection but you're absolutely right you know uh you know like billy joel's song is like uh, here's the people in the crowd and and they're saying play a song for me and mm -hmm. here here you are saying mockingbird sing something for me kind of uh yeah Oh, thanks. That gives me a whole different insight. I have to go back and listen to it again now because uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm better. Uh, I'm better equipped. Yeah, because the third verse for that one in particular, um, I tried to imply a bar to a degree of um, how do you fill me up like spirits in my cup, and and you always make me sing and uh, dance on table seats. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to listen to that with a whole nother set of ears now because that's uh, that's an excellent way to put it well and and then if we want to talk about mishearing things let's get to to your song to happiness which i thought right from the get-go is a great sounding just straight ahead rocker i mean that's the way it comes across to me i mean you know and uh and i really love the opening guitar riff and uh, uh but uh you know and the the theme to the song uh, again, also seems to be something like being on the way to recovery and eventually to happiness. Mm -hmm. uh, recovery from what? It doesn't matter. I mean, we're all recovering from this pandemic and being, uh, you know, hemmed in at home. But there's other things a lot of people are recovering from as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, uh, I like the line, it's been six months since we last did which I originally thought until you straightened me out in an email, I thought I heard the <laughs> lyrics since we last gigged. And I, I think that was probably influenced by my having not been out playing mm -hmm. since the beginning of the pandemic and the plight that we musicians have had during the past year and a half with COVID. So anyway, would you comment about the song to happiness? Yeah, absolutely. And First off, I thought it was so cool that you heard it as uh, when we last gigged, just because like, yeah, that it, it's just for music, for musicians everywhere. I think just like there's a strong desire just to beyond just being out and being with other people and playing for other people uh, of just being like, look at the thing I made. <laughs> and I really like the thing I made. And and just being able to go out and do that again, I'm very ready to start doing that. And I'm in the process of looking for some gigs to be able to. Yeah. So, but for, for the song itself, um, it, uh, I'm part of a uh, discord group of songwriters and creatives and just a bunch of different people. And there's daily prompts. And one of them was just a van covered in bottle caps uh, with colored bottle caps and designs on it and the prompt was beep beep here comes the happiness express or something along the lines of that <laughs> and um it looked a bit like with the designs made it look very mystery uh mystery machine uh, from scooby-doo um uh -huh. and stuff like that and just basing it on the idea of like uh, one of the things that gets me through the week is just looking forward to what I have lined up either at the end of the week or in the weeks ahead. Like for example, 
Uh, one thing that I have to look forward to every week is getting on a Zoom call with my friends and we play Dungeons and Dragons at 6 p.m. on on Sundays. Oh my gosh, I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons in, oh, like 30 years or more. Uh, I've been playing for 10 years now and yeah. it, is, it, it is one of my, outside of music, it is one of my catharsis things to reset my brain on a week-to-week basis just because I get to hang out with some of my best friends on a video call for four hours and then go on uh, group storytelling adventures. So, um, and just things like that. That's all what that song is about is just looking forward to those moments of like, you know, today might've been a hard day, but I know in a couple, I'm going to be on a video call with some friends or we're going to be hanging out on the back porch or I'm going to be going to see my family, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, we have to kind of always kind of keep those things on the horizon. Uh, You know, that's as an educator, I was uh, exposed to the terms, someone who has a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. I don't know if you're familiar with those terms or not. But uh, somebody who has a growth mindset is one who more or less, you know, accepts where you are, you know, like, I know I'm not the best at fill in the blank, mm-hmm. but I know that I can improve, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whereas someone who is a fixed mindset is, well, I'm just stuck where I am. Mm-hmm. And this is the hand that was dealt me and I'm just going to have to, to live it out. And it's, you know, that sort of thing. I always try to have had a growth mindset because I always feel like there's always something to look forward to. Yeah. Whether it's seeing family or discovering a new piece of music or, you know, I, I used to tell my, my students, the, the, you know, the bad news about music is you'll never know it all. Mm-hmm. The good thing about music, you'll always have something to learn about. Oh, absolutely. You know, and uh, and that's also kind of the way I do things. So I'm right there with you. But uh, yeah. I uh, I remember playing Dungeons and Dragons back when I was in grad school, and it was a definite release just to get together and and do that whole fantasy role playing thing. It was a it was a real it was a mind cleanser in a way, a way to really let off a lot of steam. Oh, absolutely. But anyways, uh, but so I think we're all on the on the road to happiness if we want to work towards that. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, I get very concerned about our about a lot of people in our country, however, uh, based on a book, a couple of books that I've read uh, re- fairly recently, and some of the stats that I've seen. Uh, the one book is entitled "Deaths of Despair." It was written by two Princeton University econo- economists, and talking about the. Uh, life expectancy decline among white working class people in the United States. Hmm. And uh, a lot of the life expectancy decline is due to alcoholism, opioid abuse and suicide. And then I saw yesterday, no day before yesterday, it blew me away. 93,000 opioid overdose deaths just this year and you know and i worry about stuff like i worry about people and the other book that i've 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 finished recently is focuses on the increasing epidemic of homelessness in our country and uh i i just hope we can find a way to help people and get everyone on the road to happiness you know well anyway let's uh change the subject just a bit and go to your song glow which to me does have a bit of a billy joel piano sound to it yeah. i could i could i could hear that i could hear you listen to billy joel and it has the theme to my years of being a song encouraging someone else that they are not finished that they have a future ahead of them and they'll recover from what is currently holding them down would you say that's an accurate description of glow yes oh, <laughs> unquestionably wow. Um, Score one for me. I I wrote that song for my mother. Oh. um, Because she 
is a caretaker, uh, a caretaker for her mother, father, and sister. Mm. Um, her mother has dementia. Her father has Alzheimer's, and her sister has autism. Oh, okay. Um, and that that's a rough go of it. Um, it just it's. <laughs> if there's one thing that I could really hope for in the future is that it, uh, with memory, that uh, they find a cure for it or they come up with a better system to be able to help people in that regard because that that is a rough go of it. And that song I wrote for her specifically just because... Um, there is always something better and I know it sucks right now. Um, yeah. Just cause I, I don't believe in asking people, are you okay? Uh, I'm more of a, how are you feeling? And, and tell me mm -hmm. you're where you're at mentally just because. Yeah. <laughs> and, well. and so for the, for that, for that song in particular, I, I, I really just wanted to say to her that, you know, things will get better and, and you will glow again, even if you don't see it right now. Yeah. Well, I, I hope many positive blessings and prayers will go your mother's way because that is a tough thing to, to try to take care of people. I remember in my own family when my grandmother had Alzheimer's and that is so hard to see someone you love uh, going through that. Just a hard thing. Yeah. But I try and help where I can. Yeah, um, but you know, well, and it, it's just it's challenging. It's challenging to anybody. I mean, you know, you know these, you know these people. You've grown up with them. You've loved them, and it's so hard to watch people you love suffer. Mm -hmm. It just is. It is. So I'll. I'm going to listen to Glow now with a different set of ears as well. Yeah, and, and uh, one thing in particular for like a visual thing for that song is um. Uh, during the choruses, because uh, that song alone, uh, with just the vocals, could stand alone as a choral piece. Um, and I designed the, beyond just the harmonies of it, there's um, a counterpart of arpeggiating voices, um, and they grow with each chorus. So it, the first one, it's just one uh and then for the second one, it's the one and the five. So glow, 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 glow. And then for the third one, it's a full arpeggiated, almost like they're bells or they're like light bulbs or things that are turning on. Very and cool. Fade. And so that's how I view it, at least. You should you should consider writing an SATB arrangement of that. You know, that might that might be something that would be excellent. Uh uh an excellent opportunity there yeah you know? that would be fun yeah <laughs> well let's get lost another one of your songs is um mm -hmm. came across to me as about strengthening a relationship mm -hmm. uh, by casting off all the day-to-day -day crap that we have to deal with and then just focusing on the other person focusing on each other Mm -hmm. And it, it also seems to be a song about taking a realistic look at the ups and downs of a relationship. And of course, the desire to make the relationship better. Yeah. Is, am I, am I close in understanding your intent there? Yeah. Cause before the pandemic, um, I, and after college for like five or six years there, I was just working and then going home and then that was kind of it and it was just like me and it wasn't anybody else's fault other than mine of just like not making an active effort to go out and just experience things which is um why i have to uh let's get lost is the third song um and to happiness is the last one of just like to happiness is the catharsis or, or like the posts um, of the narrative kind of. So like I, uh, <laughs> I'll sidetrack it, then get back into let's get no, lost. It's okay. 
of um mockingbird was the kind of the breaking point of like the mockingbird and uh yeah mockingbird was like the setting of just like i want to forget my troubles for a bit and then glow and let's get lost for the rising action of um things will get better and well why don't i go out and just be spontaneous or go out and do these things and then mother moon was the realization of that and by because everything before that had kind of been in the head and more theoretical and then mother moon was acting on it of um and then to happiness is the well i'm gonna go and keep doing all of these things because Mm -hmm. now i'm looking forward to these things and that that's kind of how i built the overarching story of it but specifically for let's get lost like my my favorite things to do when traveling uh be that in the states or one of the few times i've had the chances to go into europe is just turn off my phone not look at a map and just walk places because my favorite thing to do is just where do the where do the locals go like where do they go eat and what do they do as opposed to always going to the tourist things because when you're intentionally wanting to get lost that's where you find some of the most interesting things Mm -hmm. it's funny i two things that came to mind in my own experience when uh what you're talking about is i uh i used to go to san antonio twice a year when i taught in texas because we had two major music educator conferences that they would be in San Antonio. One was in July. In fact, it might even be going on right now. Uh, And then there was another one in February, Mm -hmm. but uh, I would always look for the Mexican restaurant where the menu up on the wall was in Spanish Mm -hmm. instead of the ones where, you know, it'd be in English for the, you know, and uh, I, my Spanish is terrible, but I at least found a way to get myself fed. Mm-hmm. The, other, the other thought I was having, I was in London in 2005. Mm-hmm. And I did the very thing you just talked about. One day, I just went out the hotel. I just went for a walk. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, I didn't know where I was. I was so freaking lost. And, uh, and, I, and I'm looking around and I'm going, oh, thank God, there's a tube station. I could get at least get back to where I was, you know, <laughs> familiar territory. Cause at every tube station, you know, there's a map and, mm-hmm. and, and get around, but that freedom of, you know, you're just going along and you're, and, and, and you have that kind of almost out of body experience of, you know, you're walking through like a little suburb area neighborhood oh, and you feel like you could yeah. be a, back home mm-hmm. because people are people and every, you know, grass is green. It doesn't matter where you are and stuff like that. But then when I realized I don't know where the heck I am. And I started to get a little bit nervous. And finally, uh, finally, I, I, like I said, I found the tube station, was able to get my way back. But here's another thing that I was just also thinking that I want to make sure I hit home with. The songs on the EP have a, an order that is intentional. Yes. Okay. Because I need to go back and make sure and listen to them in that order. I may have just, you know, cherry-picked uh for discussion today without me being aware of that and listeners uh out there please remember that when you get a copy of miles's uh uh ep that those the songs have a have a meaningful uh uh order to them sort of like you know a schubertian uh song cycle and uh so so very good well then i'm going to get again out of order because the title track for the ep is mother moon mm-hmm. and it comes across to me as an ode to the moon and the wonder of nature uh, as a means for offering human comfort mm-hmm. is there any link between the moon and the song and your own mother or other comforter in your life um well I never really thought about it up until now, but that's a very cool connection. Um, okay. It was a uh, out of out of all of the songs on the EP, um, 
I wrote Mother Moon very matter of factly as as uh, the events unfolded, where um, it was one of those I had gotten to the end of the day and decided to that I was like, I'm going on a trip to the beach. And so got there really late and like after dinner and everything was already dark. And one of my traditions for going to the beach is the first day um, that I get there, I love going and walking on the beach and uh, at night. Um, and that particular evening in particular, let's say particular multiple times in a sentence, Miles. <laughs> I, well, that's all right. It's a particularly good word. <laughs> indeed. I could speech gooder sometimes. Yeah, and, I hear you. And that evening, you could see the stars. It was so pitch black, you could see the Milky Way and, of course, the moon itself. And I took off my sandals and found a little sandbar where the waves had built up this little ledge and put my sandals down uh and sat on it like it was a bench and just listened to music and looked at the stars and the moon for a good while and just mm. wanting to be in that moment for as long as possible wow so that must really be cool so you you live on the coast then i actually live in the triangle uh, right outside oh, yeah. downtown Cary and Raleigh, but it sure the plus side about being in the center of the state is the beach is only a couple hours away and the mountains oh. are only a couple hours away. So okay. Well, never I, a... I, I, I've never been a big fan of going down and hanging out at Lake Michigan, but I'm only about 30 minutes from, from the shore of Lake Michigan, which isn't the Atlantic ocean, but it's a, uh, it's pretty big Lake. And, uh, I, I, there's something about water and the movement of water mm -hmm. that is uh, relaxing, meditative. Uh, yeah. I, I, I it's can't like even... looking into a campfire as well. Yes, because that's the other thing that is is intriguingly simply a great way to to uh, kind of zone out. Yeah. What you're describing is what I do at the beach. Like I'll I'll do like body surfing, uh -huh. uh, but generally one of my favorite things to do is to just swim out past just far enough past where the waves crash, and just float, and oh. just look out <laughs> into the water. I love doing that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a really a really fun experience. Uh, one time we were on a trip and uh, out west. And we decided to go swimming in the Great Salt Lake. And because the salinity content is so high, you yeah. can't sink. And, and so that's what you float, you know. Mm -hmm. That's kind of interesting. Well, tell my audience, please, about who or what is your muse? What inspires you to write a new song? At the end of the day, what inspires me to write my songs is life experiences. And at the beginning, I wasn't really sure, but I noticed a trend of, bur burst isn't the right word, I guess phases would be more accurate of having so many ideas and then getting them all out. And then feeling like I needed time to recharge and get to get more of that. So what I found my cycle was, was a go out and experience life and have a bunch of life experiences and then come back and use that information as inspiration to write songs. And then I would need a recharge period by going back out to experience more life experiences. So it's this teeter totter back and forth for me. Mm -hmm. I see. Well, that's, that's, that's interesting. I mean, that's not unlike some great authors, Jack London, you know, he traveled to the, uh, to the Yukon well before he ever wrote Call, Call of the Wild. Mm -hmm. Or uh, uh, one of my favorite authors, Jack Kerouac, all of his novels are about experiences. They're not about anything. I mean, it's not like there's characters in a plot. It's about his experiences on the road. Yeah. or you know traveling so yeah i can i can see that and and, and finding and seeing things uh you know one of the, 
one of the things I, uh, when I taught music appreciation, I taught jazz history, I taught all kinds of things for non-music majors. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I'd always get a lot of questions, like I'd play a piece of music and the students would say, well, what's it all about? And, uh, and I'd say, well, when you close your eyes and you listen to that music, what movie do you see in your head? Hmm. And that's what it's all about, you know, or trying to uh, give them some sort of uh, description of what it is an artist does. Uh, you know, and the difference between an artist and an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, an artist really tries to get us, and it doesn't matter what media of art, yeah. but what an artist does is try to get us to look at things differently, common everyday things that we all see, but maybe we never noticed a particular way of looking at something or a particular element. Uh, yeah. and, and, it's, and that's how we're enriched by art because we are uplifted by looking at something a little bit differently. And it sounds to me like when you talk about going out, having experiences, coming back and right, going out, having some more experiences and coming back. And, and it sounds like that's what you're really drawing upon too, is ways of looking at things mm-hmm. that are common. Cause like with your songs, I mean, we've, we've heard birds before mm-hmm. we've seen the moon, but you're, you know, descriptive language in your lyrics kind of makes us stop and think about what is he really, I mean, me anyway, what's he really talking about? What he, what he, when he's talking about a mockingbird or what is he talking about when he's talking about the moon? And that's what raised these questions that I've written, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to ask you. Uh, So, so I think that's very interesting about, about the, uh, the whole creative process. Now you've talked a bit already about when you write a song, you have it all fully worked out on guitar before you ever put it into the computer. So we, we know that about your creative process. What I don't know, and I'd like to hear you talk about is do you start with a melodic idea, a rhythmic idea, mm-hmm. a particular set of chord changes, or do you start with a particular mood or emotion and then try to replicate that musically? So, I, I always try and start from the hardest part for me, which is writing the lyrics, because the thing about me and melody is uh, coming up with a melody for something is as easy as it is to breathe. Uh, it just comes innately for me. And being able to put words to thoughts or a feeling is always the hardest part. And I've tried it doing melody and then putting words to it, but it was always so much harder than just coming up with the words. And then just as I'm writing it, I already know what I'm going to do. Okay. Um, And the chords are informed by the melody that I end up coming up with, Mm -hmm. but also my isms (laughs) are written all over what I make because I love four chords. I love four chords. Um, (laughs) And so uh, going from like four to four minor to one or like four to like four, four over five to one. I, I love, I love that movement. You're just a plagal. You're just a plagal kind of guy. Plagal with pentatonic. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) That's, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you mentioned earlier that uh, you journal mm-hmm. and I, and I assume is that something you do every day? I, I haven't done it in the recent uh, month or so, but yes. Okay. Yes, right. very much so. Well, we all um, take breaks, but so in a, in addition to journaling, do you keep a sketchbook with, uh, with maybe melodic ideas or vamps or other musical ideas that you might draw upon later? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I, I have field notebooks and I have these Moleskine notebooks. Um, so I have a daily writing one and then I have one called the everything book, uh-huh. which if I were to have an LP, it would probably be titled that with the just titling book. it, the everything book. Okay. Um, and, uh, but these aren't it. Uh, there's a whole like, hold on. <laughs> okay. 
And for my listeners who can't see this, Miles is going over to his bookshelf and bringing a large uh, Rubbermaid container full of sketchbooks. So the answer yeah, to my question. it's just filled with dozens of, of notebooks that I've written. And this is just the past two years. Oh, my goodness. So uh, in short, the answer to my question is yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's excellent. Well, you know, and I and I'm also intrigued the fact that you you still write them by hand. Mm -hmm. uh, I a lot of uh, singer songwriters I'm I've been talking to in the last you know six nine months, you know, all uh, like if they get a an idea, they'll sing it into their phone. Yeah, you know, and then keep a file of of different things when they get a when they get a particular idea. But I, you, I love old school. You know, where you oh. where you write it down. That's really great. Well, uh, beyond just that, because I, I, I very much use voice notes. Because um, again, I have an ADD brain, and sometimes I'll forget what I wrote the next day, and it's just like, oh, thank God, I have that. But also off screen, uh, and I can turn my camera a little bit. It, like I have a whiteboard. Uh -huh. I see um, that that flips around uh -huh. and I just because I don't like having lines and um, and just the flexibility and freedom to be able to draw or circle or just <laughs> to be able to do those sorts of things to give myself full permission to just do whatever. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. A true tabula rasa, a blank <laughs> slate that you can create on. I love that. Well, yeah. uh, are you currently, or maybe I should say constantly writing new material? Um, and can you, uh, can you share a sneak preview with my audience of what they might hear in the future? Yeah. So I, in the past uh, couple of months, it slowed down a little bit, but there were a few that popped up. And there were a number of other songs that were in contention of being on the EP um, that didn't make it just because I wanted that through line of the five songs. So technically, I have enough material for another EP right now. Awesome. Um, and I've gone back and forth as to whether I want to do an EP or go for like an LP. Um, but I, I could play one, one for sure. Um, I could do uh, the whole thing. Uh, of one of the songs, if you'd want. Well, I, t I tell you what, you know, one of the things that I want to avoid is getting into any copyright issues. So I don't usually play any music on my show. Yeah, for sure. Because I, uh, I did that uh, once and my host uh, that hosts my podcast didn't like that and they canceled me. <laughs> <laughs> So, in fact, see, the, this show used to be known as the musical world of mm -hmm. Professor Hurst, and then it got canceled. So I decided to start over and make it even larger. So I made it the musical universe. But uh, I appreciate the the offer knowing that you've got something there, but I, I just don't want a chance getting Anchor, uh, yeah. getting in trouble with Anchor and getting canceled because then I'd have to have the musical galaxy uh, or some other, <laughs> whatever, whatever is larger, right? The musical, yeah. the musical infinity of Professor Hurst. But thank you, Miles. I, it's just comforting to me to know that you still, you've got material in the can, so to speak, oh. ready to go, and that we can look forward to uh, yeah. myself and my listeners to new material because you you certainly have some very fine things out uh, now on your on your uh, uh, discography. So you're you're on, you. you're rolling, man. <laughs> and we'll be looking forward to uh, hearing more. Yeah. Let's kind of reflect a little bit on your past. What has uh, been some of your most memorable experiences in uh, your music career? So, so I will say for my most memorable experiences of my music career so far, uh, some of them uh, are are, are bigger than others and some would are probably going to be more underwhelming but i find them to be very important uh the most immediately large one would be uh being a speaker for tedx 
about one of my previous songs that was that was very very cool and being able to speak about the process of that and uh including the community and being part of it in the music video uh one thing uh more recently was uh doing open mics with these pieces back when they were in their infancy and just at that point, I had, I had done shows for like electronic music and things like that, but not for like Miles Travitz as a singer songwriter artist. And them being so well received was very much a moment of, okay, I could do this. And uh, another weird one was back when I was doing remixes, uh, I did a remix for Melanie Martinez and I was doing a trip out in LA and went into the hills and ended up meeting her and hanging out with her watching reality tv and eating burgers so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was from a number of years ago but um yeah okay <laughs> there's a well, handful i mean there's always there's always great i mean you know okay I'll, I'll share with you one of my most memorable experiences was about 1980 i want to say about eight eighty nine. 90 maybe it was 91 anyway it was sometime in the late 80s early 90s and i was uh attending the international trumpet guild uh conference in akron mm -hmm. ohio and uh i was uh went into the hotel to have breakfast one morning and i was sitting there and uh, a wonderful trumpet player by the name of ronald rom walked mm -hmm. by now ronald rom was a uh, trumpet with the canadian brass quintet one of the great brass quintets in the world for like the last 50 plus years. Yeah. And Ron looked down at me and he noticed my convention badge and he says, Craig, mind if I join you for breakfast? I was like, I, I, sure, you know, <laughs> and then having the opportunity to talk with him, you know, so, you know, you have that great opportunity to meet people who are your, your heroes or people that have that brush of fame and, and, uh, and, and that's one of the cool things about being in music. Yeah. You know, as you do sometimes get to get to meet these folks, I will tell you that this is uh, this podcast and having the opportunity to meet people like yourself has been awesome for me yeah. because I'm talking to people like, you know, you're the first person from North Carolina that I've talked to, you know, so that that's auspicious, but I've talked to people from New York and Chicago and Memphis and Nashville and LA mm -hmm. and uh, Utica, Nebraska, and, uh, and places all in between about music. And of course, uh, next to my wife, the thing I love most in this world is music. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and so it has really been great food for my soul to be able to take the time to talk, uh, talk with you today. So I, I have yeah. just one more question for you. Yeah. And before you do really quick. Okay, I, sure. Uh, fun fact in middle school, I played uh, trumpet and French horn. And in high school, I played French horn. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so we have that we have that in common, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's a good reason I do. I like to you're a trumpet player, brass player. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, sir. That's great. That's great. Well, uh, but Miles, I was good. the last question I was going to ask you is, is there anything else you would like to add or tell my audience that I have not asked you about? Oh, but before you do, mm -hmm. I do want to tell my audience, uh, I did put the YouTube link in my show notes with your TED Talk, because your TED Talk is awesome. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. And I would tell my audience, please don't scroll by that when you go through the show notes, because the link is right there, as well as other links to Miles's uh, website and other his music on YouTube. And it, I try to load people up with as much and maybe more than they want about a particular artist. But uh, the TED Talk, I thought was awesome. Okay, so now I got that out of the way. Is there anything else you'd like to add or tell tell my audience? Um, other than just thank you for listening. And hey, if you want to check out my EP, the Mother Moon EP is out on Spotify, YouTube, and plenty of other streaming platforms. I, I would say it's a 
15 minutes that are worth your time and i've got a number of other things down the pipeline and some shows getting lined up in in the raleigh durham area in, in the future so if you're around uh keep your ears to the ground and i'll be playing out and around soon but yeah that's that's kind of it <laughs> okay well that's awesome miles I, and you know north carolina is on my bucket list i've surrounded i've been to virginia and i've been to georgia but i've not been to the carolinas yet mm. and so i'll have to make it a point to get down that way one of these days and when i do i'm looking you up absolutely all right well miles thank you for taking time to talk with me today and all the best uh, with what i'm sure is going to be a continued successful musical future all right well hey thank you again so much for having me i really do appreciate it this was a lot of fun you bet. <laughs> My discovery composer of the week is the Spanish theorist and composer Diego Ortiz. Ortiz was born in Toledo around 1510 and died in Naples circa 1570. He was in at Naples by the 10th of December of 1553 when he dedicated his Tratado de Glosas to the Spanish nobleman Pedro de Uriz, Baron of Riisi, Sicily. This work appeared simultaneously in Spanish and in an Italian version full of Hispanicisms, suggesting that Ortiz served as his own translator. If so, he must already have spent an extended period in the part of Italy under Spanish rule. By February of 1558, Ortiz was Maestro de Capella of the Vice Regal Chapel maintained at Naples by Fernando Alvarez de Toledo, the third Duke of Alba and Spanish Viceroy from 1556 to 1558. In 1565, he was still Maestro de Capella to the conservative Pedro Afanti Rivera, Duke of Alcala, Alvarez de Toledo's successor as Spanish Viceroy from 1559 to 1571, to whom he dedicated his Musice Liber Primus, a book of masses promised in the preface to this work, however, never appeared. The Tradado de Glosis, or Treaties on the Ornamentation of Cadences and Other Types of Passage in the Music of Viols, is the first printed ornamentation manual for the player of bowed string instruments. It provides numerous written out ornaments fitting exactly prescribed time limits. The second book begins with four solo recercadas or studies for the bass viol, followed by six recercadas on the bass on the bass La Spagna, in which agile tenor clef counterpoints for the violon are accompanied by keyboard harmonizations of the theme. Next come four Resercaradas, ornamented versions, of Archidelt's four-voice madrigal O Felice Ocimie for viol and keyboard, followed by four of Pierre Sandrin's four-part chanson Douce Memoire. Book two concludes with eight recercadas for bass, viol, and keyboard over passamezzo basses. Ortiz's preoccupation with bowed rather than plucked instruments contrasted with contemporary Spanish preference. The hymns, psalms, salves, and Alternatim Magnificat settings of Ortiz's Musices Liber Primus for four to seven voices 
are without exception based on plain song. Although one setting of Pangue Lingua Gloriosi quotes a Spanish chant, few other native traits are evident in the collection. In his dedication, Ortiz encouraged the Spanish predilection for accompanied sacred polyphony with instruments. In his preface, he referred to Ochigam, Josquin de Pre, and Mouton as the true doctors of music, a view in accord with the conservative style of his compositions, which show the distinctive influence of Morales. The All Music Guide lists numerous recordings of Ortiz's chamber works, choral works, orchestral works, vocal works, and miscellaneous compositions. In my show notes is a link to a performance of Ortiz's Resecada Primera and the Resecada Segunda performed by the early music group Concerto Scirocco. I've also included a link to a performance of Ortiz's Resercada Quarta Sobra Le Folia, performed by Ernst Stoltz on viola de gamba. Well, that puts a wrap on episode number 41. My show notes, along with links to artist websites, recording label websites, YouTube videos of artist performances are all posted on my Facebook page for the musical universe of Professor Hurst. Coming up next week, I will be interviewing Los Angeles-based studio musician and baritone saxophonist Terry Landry. You won't want to miss this interview. Other upcoming interviews include singer-songwriter Diana Jones, jazz pianist, composer and band leader Jen Allen, and New York City-based Broadway Pitt Orchestra veteran, band leader of her own group Bonegasm, and bass trombonist Jennifer Wharton. So don't you dare touch that dial and stay tuned. If you have questions, comments, or a suggestion of an artist, composer, or musical style for me to consider, you may email me at h-u-r-s-t-c at u-w-m dot e-d-u. So, until next time, this is Professor Craig W. Hurst and Carmel the Wonder Dog signing off from the musical universe of Professor Hurst. Have a great day.